Greetings. On the 23rd of March 2018, I headed into London to the BBC Social Conference. Just a couple of days after the Cambridge Analytica news broke, conversations there were around media, the state of news today, and I managed to grab a conversation with six news professionals backstage. BBC Social 2018, I'm in the green room and I'm surrounded uh, by both panel and audience member and uh, <laughs> uh, people fascinated with the state of news right now working right inside it. If I just go around the group, who do we have here? So I'm Mark Frankel, BBC Social Media Editor for News. I'm Mark Little, I run a new startup called Neva Labs. Evan Fanning, I'm Head of Content at Joe Media. Alison Gow, Digital Editor, Trinity Mirror Regionals. Nick Newman, Reuters Institute for Study of Journalism. Sulu Ellen, uh, Social Media Consultant and Trainer. And audience member. Audience member. <laughs> um, Memorise those voices, you will hear them speaking, and now uh, you can put the names to them. So, please, who wants to begin? How did you feel about how the panel went in regards to how apocalyptic uh, the current <laughs> situation is right now? It's very civilised. I was going to say that, uh, judging by the audience's response, it was incredibly apocalyptic because they seemed to absorb it all and stunned into silence. <laughs> but uh, no, I thought it was interesting. Lots of uh, we chewed over a lot of ground in a very in a relatively short space of time. It felt to me like the, there is a kind of a consensus that there's some kind of turning point here. That a lot of things that we've known about for a long time um, and taken as sort of gospel. Uh, are no longer gospel. So that's the ad model. It's um, you know the the the, the fact that um, you know people won't pay for news. All of these kind of things are suddenly changing, and I think we got some of that reflected. And actually, a few positive thoughts about the future. Well, it's just such a massive topic to try and break mm. down in like one hour, isn't it? I mean, you could talk about the culture for the entire time, um, and kind of the way that even in the last three years, people have. The, the habits of using social media have changed. But I, th I think um, I always come away having learned a lot from, from what I've heard, so I, I found it really useful. Any solutions for um, particularly the business models, which seem to be kind of in juxtaposition to how people want to use the internet, the titillation, the clickbait? Did you hear any solutions? I don't know. I suppose it was the kind of darkness before the dawn, you know, it was always darkest and... There was that kind of sense, I thought it was like very like, you know, it's 1970s, like, won't get fooled again. It was kind of like, it was a certain amount of like, you fuckers have been fucking me for so long, I'm going to do something about it. If I can say all of that and hopefully you can bleep it out. But there is that real rage. And in that is an energy, right? So even if it's very apocalyptic, it's expressed in terms like, I'm telling you my Facebook account. And, you know, I heard a lot. I mean, I worked inside a platform in Twitter and I would hear this all the time, like, RIP Twitter. But when you dug deeper, you felt people saying, I want something better. Help me get there. And I think what we're seeing is both attitudes, mistrust, anger, rage, but also behaviors that point to a business model that's much more healthy. That is, people seeking more control, wanting multiple sources in the one experience the way they get on Netflix or Spotify. And I think if we respond to those positive signals under the layer of, like, rage, um, I think we can start to see the beginnings of things like uh, direct relationships with the user based on a direct payment, so reader revenue, uh, which will allow us to move away from a business model based on volume and start going down deep into do you serve me a local need or something about my identity that's really small and tight. And then I think beyond that, there's also a sense that social platforms are not going away. They play different roles. 
uh, Facebook's very different to you know the tech platforms like Apple or Google and Twitter. So I think there's a sense of like, okay, we'll all calm down, but for now, it's good that we have rage, as long as that rage is underpinned by some sense of we can do better. Haven't we been here before though, with Snowden, with other discourses happening around the excessive farming of data from, from the user? <laughs> Who wants to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about the, the well we have been here to, I suppose to some extent with data I think with media which is what I suppose we were brought here to talk about I think his in various ways history just repeats itself over and over again and, and you know this is this it doesn't mean it's wrong to 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 be saying it but I, I it did occur to me during the panel if we were doing this this day last week after uh, before, uh, you know, the, all the stuff in the Observer at the weekend, um, what, how different would it be or would it be different or what would that, that rage Mark talks about at, say, Facebook in particular, would that, uh, it certainly wouldn't have been a pr be as pronounced, but the, the, just, uh, maybe, maybe that is a tipping point or was, is the landscape just the same as it was last week? I mean, people maybe know a little bit more now and that can only be good. A user knows a bit more about what is actually going on when you like a post or comment on a post or engage with something, uh, which can only be positive, I think. One of the things that struck me when I was listening to the whole conversation, what you were just saying as well about it, is data, people care about data when it's useful to them. So like the whole thing about Facebook now is like mass outrage that we have, we have had our data pillaged. Like two years ago, criminals were absolutely delighted that they could go to Google and get news stories. The data on them as criminals pulled offline and nobody can check it. So there, there is a real, like, it's not just Facebook, I think, that are manipulating and playing with people's data. There are, you know, other platforms that are using it. It's just that it, some of it isn't quite as fashionable to talk about or as interesting because if your criminal data isn't being you know if you're not a criminal why would you care yeah, um, it's, it's ironic like in platforms a year ago two years ago it was free speech all the platforms are paranoid and sensitized to closing down people speaking publicly and i know that in twitter all we were thinking about we want to be the free speech wing of the free speech party was jack dorsey's line and i believe that and i was somebody you know this is before the elections and suddenly after that it became the opposite you got to clamp down close down shut down so I think there's this kind of like schizophrenia that's at play at the moment. If we think about it, what we're really trying to think, educate people is that if you're getting something for free, in inverted commas, I'm using air quotes here now, um, <laughs> you're the product, right? Because they're harvesting your attention. It's not free. And I think what we're seeing is people feeling like there's a rising cost of free news because they're starting to understand that it's actually be they're being harvested. And I think that uh, is not all about data, it's about other things as well, like manipulation, hidden algorithms that they don't have control over, just a sense of like, there's something going on here, I don't quite get it because I'm not a techie, but I know that I'm being manipulated, so where's the solution? Now for us, well, how do we have a united front? Because we've, we've, we're quite good at defining the problem, but we haven't quite found the solution. At the moment, there isn't anything beyond the social platforms that currently exist to give people the access to the things that they want and they need, or they feel that they want and they need. And to Mark's point, there may be a desire to move beyond that and to inhabit a different space and to, have, uh, to be in more control of the algorithm and the, and the things that really matter in your life whenever they happened to occur, but there doesn't ex currently exist an opportunity, either a platform or a model, that people can turn to as a, as a direct alternative for that.
which is why that we've all got a lot of faith in Mark's new business. <laughs> yeah, but I think what's, what's different is that, um, is that uh, as Mark was suggesting, audiences kind of know something's wrong. So I think that's what's different. You know, media will make the same mistakes over and over again, but what's different is audiences are kind of searching for something different. And as soon as we can provide that and put that together in a combination of platform and content and convenience and trust, all of those things coming together, then, then I think we'll start to see the, the solutions. And I think some of those things are emerging, some of the new models for payment that allow people still to aggregate news. So it's not like, you know, you've got a side over here and a side over there. And that's, that's kind of the challenge with reader payment is how do you, how do you keep the, uh, the pick and mix approach that people love about the internet as well. I would say also with the audience wearing my audience hat here as the sole audience member from that discussion, it's great that everybody's trying things to, to deal with audience needs and things. I think you're right, all of you are right, that the audience are beginning to look and be aware of their data, but I honestly don't think the vast majority of them either know or care. There's a huge piece of work to be done on digital literacy. They're just still happily sharing those stupid quizzes. They've got no idea, and they, some of them, frankly, don't care. But I do think, as public service broadcasters particularly, and everybody else, there ought to be a lot more done to make people aware of exactly what is being used about them. But I think also, to your point, you know, the, the psychology part, the behaviour part, this is absolutely critical. You know, we need to be doing things for their, their needs, their wants, we're tribal. You know, there's all that kind of emotional element, and we've got to be careful of the manipulation and the education of the audiences. That's critical. There's one word of warning, though, which we haven't touched on, actually, interestingly, which is that one thing that social media does currently that you could argue is terrible, but it does, and people are drawn to it, is it amplifies people who want to be noticed yes. and want to shout a lot about the things that they that they do and they care about. So, you know, the, and then the issue at the heart there is as much as we want, we're talking in very earnest ways about the way in which audiences want to be connected to the things that matter to their lives and all the rest of it, there's also, there's a lot of exhibitionism. And the exhibitionism needs a platform. And people are drawn to platforms that amplify the exhibitionism even more. And my fear is that, you know, we, could, we can create avenues and opportunities for people to connect to the things that matter to them in a different way. But if it isn't also, uh, if there isn't that exhibitionist opportunity alongside it, they could fail because there won't be a business model. To but I do think there is a, one thing that did come out of it that we didn't say explicitly was we've all agreed there's no one-size-fits-all model at the end of the rainbow, right? So we've discovered now the Wizard of Oz is actually a guy behind sort of this, you know, elderly guy. We've realised the platforms don't do the job. We're trying to build something new, but it won't be BBC, will not be the same as Joe.ie, will be the same as Wales Online. It'll be different things. The common denominator is something I think you, you've talked to, which is can we give any, a user of every one of our platforms or our, our products control, a sense of that, dialing down the noisy performance artist who just wants to scream and shout, and then dialing up the signal. Where's the authority? Where's the authenticity? So I think in some ways we're building almost a structure, a framework, rather than a new media organization. So two years ago, everybody wanted to be BuzzFeed. Then a year ago, it was Vice. And every, including public service journalists, were like, how can we be more like these people? You don't want to be more like these people. Understand your difference, your differentiator. I always think someone said it years ago, if you were to ask the question, what would people lose if I disappeared? It's a great starting point for journalistic innovation. I think the thing we can commonly accept is there needs to be a better user experience. That's the thing I think unites us. So what are we going to gain if everything disappears? A lot of the academics are talking about 
peaks green, the fact that we cannot take any more. There aren't enough hours in the day for you to demand our eyes, for example, on your screen. That's not a plug for podcasting. So what do you feel about that? To summarize, to finish with, is it going to be break down before we break through to the next models? No, I mean, people were saying that 300 hours of video on YouTube every minute. I think it's gone up even to 400 hours in the last year since I checked that stat. I, I think we could have more and more information. And the average American gets two and a half times more information in their daily life uh, in the space of the last 15 years. Look where that got them. Right. Well, yes, but we all do, right? Now, so it's not an American problem. So information overload is not really the big problem. I think it's the failure of the filters that help us sort through it. And that's really where we should be focused. Um, but certainly, we shouldn't be choosing any more content. I went to a public service broadcasting conference where someone said, we want more like four-minute explainers on, you, on Facebook. And you're like, oh my god, a pivot to video. Please kill me. So I think any of those aphorisms that sound great, like peak screen and pivot to video, just that's the biggest smell test. Just don't listen to that. And I think listen more to people who talk about the ability to manage the overabundance and less about you know, being better than everyone else or no one needs another discovery app. The smell of cakes is overpowering me. I'm going to wrap it up there and just say, to turn this into a conversation, can you give a, a Twitter name or a place where somebody can find you? At Mark Little News. At Evan Fanning. At Alison Gow. At Nick Newman, no K in the middle. At Sula Willen, with loads of L's. At Mark Frankel 29. And you're listening to At Documentally. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, it yes. is, yeah. <laughs> well done.